Hello, and welcome to the MXU Worship Podcast hosted by Stephen Brewster. Each episode features great conversations between Stephen and all kinds of worship leaders, from the most prolific songwriters from prominent churches to folks you may have never heard of. Either way, we hope that these resources and conversations will encourage, equip, and empower you to be the best worship leader you can be. Make sure to follow and subscribe to this podcast, too, so you can stay up to date on all of our episodes and other resources. Today, we have my friend Andy Chrisman. Andy, thank you for taking time to chat with us today. Yeah, man. Man, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today. Thank you. Um, So everyone knows who you are, but if there was one person who didn't know Tell us a little bit about what is going on in your life today. You've been a you've been in a, an amazing power group. You've been a worship pastor. You're a coach. Give us a little quick elevator pitch of snapshot of what your world looks like today. I, I always get a little bit of a facial tick when somebody says, "Oh, everybody knows who you are." I'm like, <laughs> "Do they?" Because as soon as you say that, people are going, "No, I don't. I've never heard of that before." I mean, it's, uh, it's hard being um, famous. I get it. <laughs> if you're a certain age, you know who I am. Um, yeah. So I, 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 I spent, wow, 30 years of my life almost in uh, Christian music, um, mostly with uh, the band for him. And so, uh, yeah, just I've, I've done thousands and thousands of concerts. And then, uh, you know, one day God just said, I want you back in the church uh, being uh, in a place where you're leading worship and not just singing to people. Yep. So that's kind of a quick overview of how I went from Christian music to worship leading and uh, uh, helped start a church in Orlando in 2000. And then I uh, got the call to come to Tulsa, Oklahoma in, in 2005 and have been uh, part of church on the move here since then. Yeah. Uh, but since 2020, you know, I've, I've, uh, I've expanded, what I felt like God has called me to do in worship. I'm doing a lot of coaching. Uh, God just started connecting me with people who were younger than I was and, and kind of getting started in their journey. And I just felt like I was supposed to speak into their lives. I didn't, you know, mentoring really wasn't a huge thing maybe seven or eight years ago. Uh, but that's kind of like what I started doing and found a lot of joy in that. So I do that now. I mentor and coach uh, worship pastors and uh, worship teams across the country. Um, I also uh, coach vocals. In fact, I'm really excited. My my vocal curriculum uh, is out, and it's uh, yeah, it's it's kind of a legacy piece for me just to be able to uh, uh, make it available. The things that I've learned over the last thirty to forty years. Of being a professional vocalist. I feel like I have a system that works for me. I'm in my mid fifties and I feel like I'm singing as, you know, with as much power and, and control as I ever have. So I think that's something I want to pass down as well. And then I have a radio show that's on 430 stations. In fact, I was just working on it before you and I connected here today, uh, working on the next week's show. And so that's on 430 stations around the world. And man, we've had, uh, you know, just I, I continue to have really awesome artists that are on every week, and I like to introduce awesome new worship music that maybe most worship pastors or churches or church boards haven't heard yet. Yep. Instead of playing all the stuff that's on Christian radio, you know, right throughout right. the week. Uh, so that's been a lot of fun. Yeah, man, just so, God keeps dropping these things in my life, just left and right. It's incredible. And do you feel like that's a, a theme that like 
God just has brought new opportunities. Is that something that's happened throughout your whole life? Or is, do you feel like that's something that's a more recent thing? No, it's, it's happened through my whole life. You know, there, there have been transition moments. Uh, in fact, I just did a podcast yesterday um, uh, with someone who wanted to know about, he called them walkaway moments. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm not sure I like walkway moments. I like transition <laughs> moments, you know, uh, where, you know, I transitioned from being a college student and then be getting into Christian music. And then I felt like there's a transition moment in my life where God just, I call it stirring the waters of my heart. And I knew God was getting ready to do something new in me. And I was, a, I was able to transition off the road full time and into church ministry. And then he's done that several times throughout my my journey just stirs the water in my heart, my heart. And I know that he's fixing to do something uh, new, something that is going to take some faith, you know, it's going to take a little bit of guts to walk away from, from what I'm, I'm used to and what's comfortable into something new. So, yeah, I, I feel like, I feel like the Holy, Holy Spirit whispers to me all the time. You want to do something cool? Hey, here's something, you know, you, you, you can do this if you want, no pressure, right? But, you know, there are a lot of opportunities out there. And that's one thing I love to talk to young worship pastors about. And even honestly, Stephen, older worship pastors, yeah. guys in their thirties and forties, they're like, I'm getting a little nervous because I'm feeling old and I don't know what's next. And I like to come in and just go, dude, you haven't, you have no idea what God has in store for right. you. Just go, just explore. So uh, and I'm one of those personalities. I like, I'm a change junkie. Yeah. Like I love pulling the puzzle apart and putting it back together, going to pull the engine apart and trying to put it together a different way. And, and sometimes when you do that, you find a new way of doing things or a new strategy, or you find out, man, there, this, this doesn't work the same way as it did 10 years ago. Let's, yeah. let's change it and find a new way to do it. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Change to me, change is always in the air and it's at my age. That's exciting. So there's going to be a lot of worship leaders who are listening to this, who are, I feel like for, for most, actually for all humans, we're either at the beginning of change in the middle of change, or have just come through change. You yeah. know, like transition is always around us. What, what do you think are some signs of transition that you've been able to identify that as you're coaching some worship leaders, you're like, Hey, these are some things to pay attention to. Uh, well, I think there are false flags. I want to talk about those first. The false okay. flags are um, uh, I'm bored or um, I don't feel respected or things are really hard right now. You know, we all go through those times, Stephen. I'm sure you've gone through these times in your life where you're sure. just kind of like, man, God, what is there? Are you doing anything in my life right now? Maybe I just need to leave. And I think that's a false flag a lot of times. I think God wants you to, wants to grow you in, in, in these valley times and in these difficult times. I, there's story after story that I've been a part of or that, I, that I've been close to of people that were going through really difficult times and they chose to stay. And it was the best thing that they could have done yeah. because you never want to leave when you're frustrated. You never want to make a change when, when things aren't working the way you thought they were. It's better to leave when things are great. <laughs> because right. when things are great, that means you're healthy and, and you're able to see things a lot more clearly. And so I'm always coaching, especially older worship pastors, like, man, don't leave. Don't leave where you are just because you're frustrated. But 
there is a turning point. And I think that, you know, for me, I've always made a list of the things that I just feel like I, I wanted to do with my life. Things that um, gave me hope, things that excited me. And I would just pray about them all the time. Mm-hmm. And, and when opportunities would come, and that, that's what you got to be looking for are these, oppor- these, these little opportunities that come. Yeah. Somebody wants you to speak at their church. Somebody wants you to come co-write with them. Uh, somebody wants you to walk them through a difficult situation. I would always go to that list and go, oh, God, I've been praying about that. That must be from you. Yeah. You know, that matches up perfectly with the, not only the desires of my heart, but what I've been asking you for. So I'm just going to maybe follow that trail a little bit and see where it leads. And here's the thing. You may go down a hundred different trails and some of them just don't go anywhere, you know, right. or they, they're, they're a very short trail and you just turn around and come right back. But those experiences start to build. And, and there's, there's an overflow point. I think that I know I've gotten to this, this place many times where the things I've been praying about, these opportunities start coming over and over and over again to where I can't ignore it. Right. And I know that this, is something that God wants to do next to me. And if, if that, if there's no room in my current position or my current stage of life to do those things, now I start thinking about transition. Right. And go, okay. So there's, God's already built a platform for me out there. I'm not a huge fan of stepping out into nothing. Right. And, and I'm not sure that's a biblical principle. I agree with you actually in that. Yeah. There's no leap of faith in the Bible. A hundred percent. Yeah. There's steps. just the next step. Yeah. There's just the next step, but those next steps should be logical. Yeah. Right. Yeah. God's not a God of chaos. He's a God of order. And so if, you know, if you're dreaming and thinking about a change, that's a good place to start, but it also needs to have a lot of prayer and a lot of patience to it. Yeah. Um, because, you know, there are a lot of guys in the Bible that were given promises Moses was, was promised to be the savior of the Israelites. And it took him, he was 80 before he went back and actually did it. Yeah. David was what, 13 years old when he was anointed King of, of Israel. And he likely didn't take the throne until he was 30. I mean, that's a long time to wait that yeah. kind of promise. That's crazy, man. Jesus, you know, was, was speaking in the temple and, and, and like in a place of, importance in the temple when he was a kid and didn't start his ministry until he was 30. Right. So, you know, there, there's, there's a, there's, there's a promise, but then there's a waiting and a growing period. And, you know, uh, too many, too many people in ministry, they see what their friends are doing or what other um, people that they, they hold up in high regard are doing on Instagram or on Facebook. And they go, well, that's what I want to do. Right. So they'll just, they'll just try and move everything in that direction. And I think that's a mistake. You know, uh, again, I think it should be make your list, pray about it. Um, and then look for those opportunities that, you know, don't, don't take any opportunity, um, at face value, look at it and line it up to your prayers and your list, and then start doing some inventory and going, man, God, you're, you're starting to open some of these doors for me. And these are the things I've been praying about it. And then I think that's when, I think that's when change and transition might be on the horizon for you. I love that. Well, you used a term that I've not heard before, false flags. Are there any other false flags that, that, that young leaders or 
just leaders in general, that people that are feeling like they're, they may be confronting a transition that they should be paying attention to? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm still on the fence about this, but this has happened to me a lot. I don't know if it's happened to you, Stephen, but it's like when you're, when you're kind of getting anxious about transition and an opportunity comes, yeah. it's usually not the right opportunity. Right. It's almost like it's that to me, that's almost like a false flag when someone says, Oh, Hey, you're not happy there. I'll take you. Right. Man. I always counsel people to go, Oh, hang on a second. You know, that, that might not be, that might be God testing you to see if you'll, if you'll stay where you are. It could be the enemy that is saying, yeah, I'll give you what you want. Um, just, you know, leave your place a wreck when you leave and I'll, I'll take you on. And, and that can be a false flag. I think a false flag is, is um, people knowing your name and patting you on the back and telling you you're awesome. That, that, can, that, can, that can encourage you to think more of yourself yep. and to think that you're ready for that next step before you are. Yeah. And you have to be really careful of that as well because you know, those of us that are on stage making music, we're, we're held in high regard. For sure. Because we make people feel great. That's what art does. It yeah. makes people feel something and we're doing something they can't do. So that's why, that's why, you know, our faces are on the big screen and our, our voices are amplified and people are singing our songs and we think, okay, man, now it's time for me to move on to the next thing. I think that's a false flag too. That, yeah. that could be your, your, uh, your ego getting in front of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And then I think another false flag is, is, uh, finances, income, mm-hmm. is that that place offers me more money. That place offers me more opportunity. So I'm supposed to go there. And I think that's a big time false flag that um, that there's a carrot out there that thinks you're going to be happy if you make more money. Right. And it's just not the case. You know, happiness and joy are two different things. Oh, yeah. uh, your joy should be should be rock solid. Happy you know, that kind of comes and goes. Right. And, and don't chase happy. Yeah. You've got to be where, where the joy sits in a really strong base in your convictions and following the lead of the Holy Spirit. Where, where, can you recall a time in life where you chased happy? Um, I think I did most of my career in, in Christian music. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you chased happy. I mean, you, um, uh, I mean, you can see this, Stephen, you see all the stuff on the, my walls up here all the number ones and all the awards and that stuff made me happy. Uh, when I wasn't happy was when a song didn't go number one. Right. Or when, uh, you know, we didn't get that award we thought we should get and, or radio wasn't playing our music the way that they used to, or, or, you know, the number of people weren't showing up at our concerts the way right. they did. When we were in our heyday. I'll tell you this, the first church that I helped plant, you know, we never, we just never saw very many people show up. Yeah, it felt like a bust. Like it felt like I, I, I took it personally because I'm like, man, I'm selling, you know, with my group, I'm selling seven, eight thousand tickets a night, and right. then I come home to my home church, which is a, which is in Orlando, which is one <laughs> of our our biggest concert stops. Right, and there's eighty people out there. I mean, that was so. I was only happy if people were coming in the door and sitting in the seats. Right. Right. That was a validation for me. So, uh, I was definitely chasing happy there just going, God, I'm not happy. I'm miserable because I don't see the success that I'm seeing in other avenues of my life. 
but I knew, man, this, this was a, and this may be off subject just a little bit, but I think it ties in. Uh, Stephen, I was at that church for five years. Yeah. And here I am with the career that I'm trying to wind down in Christian music. I'm trying to develop a career as a, as a worship pastor in the church and the church isn't growing. They can't pay me. Right. Uh, they are, they made all these promises that we're going to take care of you. And Orlando is an expensive place to live. I've got two kids and I'm just like, I'm giving you every single weekend when I could be out there right. making money on the weekend. I'm here with you giving all that up. And for five years, man, it was a grind and I wasn't happy. Yeah. I saw all my friends in Christian music take all these big churches. I'll never forget sitting on a plane next to Charles Billingsley Oh yeah, uh, during that time. And, and Charles is like, Hey, uh, guess what? I just got hired at Thomas Road Baptist Church, and I think they're going to put me on staff at Liberty. I'm like, what? <laughs> good, good for you, buddy. Yeah, I'm really happy for you. And in my heart, I'm just like, God, I'm so mad right now. You're like, Why I'm going to be singing at Disney this opportunity? pretty soon just to offset expenses. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, I was chasing happy. Right. I wanted, I wanted what my friends had, and I thought that would make me happy. And you know, thankfully. Um, I followed the Holy Spirit more than I followed the, the, the things that I felt like I wanted materially. Yeah. And eventually the Holy Spirit led me here. And I look back at those five years at a really difficult time in my ministry and go, God, I'm glad you, I'm glad you stayed patient with me. I'm glad you didn't give up on me. And I'm glad that you continue to, to work in me because I wouldn't be able to do what I did at church on the move. If I didn't have those five years in the dark in Orlando, how would you take, if you were to put an ROI on those five years in Orlando, the lessons you learned, the character that it built, would you be able to be doing the things you're doing today without that, that season? No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. And I, I, I don't think still yet, even, you know, almost 20 years later that I understand everything that happened there, but I'll tell you what I, what I did learn is that Stephen, I'm called to this. Yeah. God called me and, and I came to, I came to this piece in my heart that I, when I said yes to a call in ministry, I became a soldier in God's army. And the soldier does not get to decide where he gets stationed, what part of the what part of the regimen he gets to serve in. His commanding officer tells him where to go, when he's going to be there, how long he's going to be there, and when he gets to come home. Yep. And there's there was a, there was a piece in that, just knowing, God, you I'm a I'm a piece on your chessboard. Yeah. And you'll move me whenever it's time. It's the right time to move me, and. I was able to carry that with me into the the mega church era of my life. Yep. Because I could start to recognize that in other people and the people that served with me and the people that served under me. Um, you know, let's talk about this. Are are you serving God or are you serving your own interests? Right. Because I can tell you I went through a season to where I was literally serving God and not getting paid for it. Yeah. And my family was struggling. But yet I knew I was in the right place because God had his hand on me right. and, and God was going to move me at the proper time. So worship pastors, you don't get to choose where you go. 
It's these aren't your churches you're going to. These right. are Jesus' churches. Jesus is in charge of the church, and he will he will tell you where you're supposed to go. He will speak to a pastor or an exec team that you're the right person to be at their church. Um, you know, they Jesus will put you where you're supposed to be. Yeah. And if you can come to peace with that, then you can stay in some really difficult times. And, you know, I went through some difficult times. We all do. Anytime yeah. you're at a church um, and you're not, you know, you're, you have people above you making decisions, you know, and you're kind of like, really, right. you want me to do that? Um, you know, that's, that's really healthy for you. And you have to obey where Jesus has put you. And when Jesus says it's time to go, then he'll put you in the next place that you're supposed to go. He'll yeah. move you across that chessboard and you'll be exactly where you're supposed to be for the sake of the kingdom. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting to me, Andy, because like any of us who've gotten the gift or the privilege to lead on, on um, the responsibility, I guess, to lead, we, we then get asked a lot of questions and mm. I would guess, and that without that five years in Orlando, it would have been really hard for you to be the best coach you could be for guys today. Because most people like, you know, you get a job at a mega church. If you do well there, then you're positioned as an authority. And the truth is a lot of the real lessons are probably learned more in the Orlando days than in the church of the move days. I would absolutely agree. At least for me, I know that's been my, my story. You know, the cross point days were amazing and I'm so thankful for them, but it was the times not there that I actually learned so much, you know? And if, yeah. If you can't learn humility, then you're missing a key step in your, in your journey with God. Yeah. I mean, the Bible's pretty clear that God opposes the prideful. 100%. And if it, and he will humble you. If, if he, if he wants to keep you around. So, you know, God forbid that I would have come right off the road uh, at the height of my career to a really big church that celebrated me. And, and I got to sing in front of just as many people every night as I was when I was going out selling tickets. Right. I would have still been in that artist mode. I was yeah. still, I, I had to learn how to switch from being an artist to a worship leader. And it's a subtle shift. You know, we're still going to use our gifts we're still going to, we're still going to do what we do well, which is sing and make music and create environments and and move people with the songs that we sing. But the subtle shift is the artist says, "Look at me, love me, buy my product." The worship leader says, "Hey, look at me. I'm going to point you somewhere and take you on a journey, and then I'm going to get out of the way, yeah. and hopefully you won't even remember me when this is over." It's yeah. it, it 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 starts out on the same. On the, in the same starting line, but man, it, it, the trajectories go two totally different ways. And I don't think that if I had been literally in obscurity with God, I felt like God had his hand over me, covering yeah. me so that I couldn't, he just, he just needed me in a time in a secret place. And w without that, I don't think I would have have made the switch from artist to worship pastor as quickly as I would have, if I've just been thrown right into, um, you know, into the mega church. But again, look, that's me. Right. 
you know, we talked about Charles Billings earlier. Charles is a good friend of mine. And I've told him this story several times about how <laughs> mad I was at him and God after that conversation. But, you know, Charles is, Charles is a great dude. Uh, you yeah. know him, you know, he's, he's doing exactly what God's called him to do. And so, yeah, you know, his heart was, was probably in the right place when he was uh, ready to go right. in, in that journey. So uh, it's different for all of us, yep. but you are going to have to have a time of humility. If you're really going to step into the time, into the, into the real work that God wants you to do, you're going to have to have some season of humility. And depending on your personality and what you bring to the table, it might last a little longer than some of the people around you. Yeah. And do you feel like that humility is a continuous process? Even, even when you maybe get out of that, that season of, of being secluded, there's still there's still lessons in humility for worship leaders weekly. Always. I think about it. How many people have their faces on a big screen? Yeah. Or amplified in the room. Um, the, the worship leader, the main worship pastor, is the second most visible person at any church in America. Yeah. It's the lead pastor number one, and it's the lead worship pastor or main worship leader number two. Um, again, everybody knows your name. Everybody knows your face. You're you get pats on the back. You, um, you know, I tell this to worship leaders and worship teams all the time. You're about the only people in the church that receive applause for what you do. Wow! Uh, they, nobody's applauding for the people parking cars or or serving coffee or checking people checking kids into nurseries. Uh, nobody's applauding for the for the. Um, the people that are cleaning toilets or, or even leading the prayer rooms yeah. after services, no one's applauding for them, but they're applauding for you. And that is a dangerous drug. Yeah. That recognition and that approval is a very dangerous drug and you will chase it your whole life. If you don't figure out how to stay humble and understand your role in, in the kingdom of God. So good. Um, so as you're doing coaching and, and you get your, your, you coach worship leaders and, and vocalists all over the country. Um, tell me a little bit, like, what is, what is a common theme that you are identifying that may be unknown or hidden to the, the mentoree that you're just seeing it reappear over and over again currently? It happens with every uh, worship pastor or team that I work with is a lack of defined culture. And when you say that defined culture for the church or for the, their, their part of the ministry, like for their part of the ministry. Yeah. They don't have a defined culture of what worship should be at their church. Gotcha. So almost everybody that comes to me, I will say, no, I'll say a hundred percent of the people that come to me for coaching and consulting, they have a checklist of things that they feel like they need to fix at their church. And, and I'll let them read that checklist down and they're, you know, pretty much the same everywhere right. we go, you know, uh, we need more people. We need to develop a yeah. pipeline. Uh, you know, we need better relationship with our exec team and our senior pastor. We need to blah, 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 blah. There's, there's right. all these things. And I'll, I will finish the first session and I'll tell them like, look, I'm not here to solve your problems. That's really not why you hired me. You think that's why you hired me. Right. You hired me to solve your problems. What, I'm, what I need to help you do is help you define your culture. Yeah. Because if I solve your problems, 
six months later, all these problems are going to happen. You're going to have another list of problems that right. you're trying to figure out. It's because you don't have a defined culture. And I'll ask a worship pastor, can you define the culture? Do you have a mission statement for, for worship? Can you define worship in one statement or one sentence? Most everybody says no. They don't. Right. They just know they're supposed to, you know, create beautiful music, maybe four or five songs a weekend, and that lead into announcements or the message. Right. You know, and they've got all these things that they have to do throughout the week. And then most people are getting to the weekend completely exhausted or just hoping that they 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 did it right, right? They chose the right songs, they chose the right people. They're just hoping to finish well. Culture changes all that. Yeah. If you can define who you are, who God is, what your purpose at your church is, and how that aligns with the the overall mission of your church and your senior pastor, and then create a culture that embodies all of that. And it yep. takes some time. It's like making the perfect stew, right? The perfect yep. ingredients. And, and um, that's, that's what I find. And that's what we spend most of our time doing is let's create a culture. Now the culture defines the people that you're going to bring on stage, mm-hmm. uh, how you're going to replenish your, your volunteers and your players, uh, the songs that you sing, uh, what worship should feel like, how long it should be. Uh, how it connects with the with the ministry of your church and the and the the people that you serve every week, and that's a far cry from just finding enough people to do four or five songs every right. weekend. Right. So yeah, hundred percent. It's it's a every church has a cultural issue. Yeah. So that's that's I feel like that's one of the things that I'm called to do is help churches uh, to define what their worship culture is. And here's the thing too. Is that that this this is a and it's a um, it's a problem for every church in America except maybe in Nashville <laughs> or, or or LA. Or we probably have different problems where there are tons <laughs> of musicians. If we don't have enough musicians, we don't have enough singers, right? Uh, it's because your culture's not right, right? Because when the culture's right, people will come. Yep. People will 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 just be drawn into the table that you've set yep. and. You, I promise, I promise you, you get your culture right, you you won't have as the you won't have the same struggle trying to find people yeah. to fill your positions and actually fill your bench right. as you move forward. Well, I always feel like when you solve the culture problem, you cure the disease. Yeah. When you solve a problem, you cure a symptom. That's right. Right. And so there's a big, you know, the the healthier we can get as organizations, the less disease we have inside of that's the organization. Right. So that's, that's right. so, so powerful. Um, along the same lines, as you're, as you're coaching, what do you think the, the trap is that young, young worship leaders are falling into right now that are keeping them from developing to the place where they, they have true influence with their, with their pastor or with their executive team or with their campus pastor? What, what's that thing that's, that's keeping, keeping worship leaders from getting there? I think it's identity. I think they just don't know who they are, especially young worship leaders who, you know, haven't been to seminary. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I do notice a difference, Stephen, from, and I didn't go to seminary, uh, but I notice a difference between uh, worship pastors and worship leaders who've been to seminary and those who haven't. Okay. Um, those that have actually studied the word uh, methodically, 
they understand what worship is from a biblical concept and their identity as a biblical concept, as opposed to somebody who's 20, 22 years old that has grown up in the church and they have shown that they have a, um, a high capacity to lead or play an instrument or sing. And so that gets them the position of a worship pastor, yep. you know, and, and they just don't have that, that biblical base underneath. Now that doesn't mean you should not be a worship pastor if you haven't been to seminary. So right. I'm again, prime example of that. Right. Um, but I think identity is a problem because now we see everybody's highlight reels. Yeah. We see right. what everybody's doing. And, and your pastor is no different. He'll go to a conference or he'll go to a, you know, he'll, he'll watch something online and go, I want that. Right. So now you've got to become that. Right. Yeah. And if you don't have an identity, then you just put on the clothes of somebody else that looks like they're doing what you want to do. And those clothes don't always fit. Right. You know, uh, you might get lucky now and then, and you might be able to work your way through it, but eventually you have to figure out who you are. Yeah. What's, what's your voice? Um, you know, what, what fits you? And, you know, I, I think the problem is too, is that, that so many worship pastors are waiting for their lead pastor to say, this is what I want. Right. Hey, this is what I want. And I will tell you the most worship pastors, they want you to figure it out. Right. They don't have time. They might have an artistic quality to them that they can say they can speak into it, but that's pretty rare. Yeah. They want you to figure it out. And so you have to decide who am I, who am I? What what is my what what is God saying to me? And where do I believe worship should be going for our church? And that's heavy. That's really heavy. That's a that's a heavy mantle that lays on your shoulders. And I've seen so many young worship pastors break under the weight of that. So it just takes time. It takes time. Do it again. Do it again. Get good feedback. Get in a feedback loop that's healthy. Uh, get some coaching and then go out and do it and then get feedback afterwards that that helps you push you in the right direction. But then you've got to study the word, find out who God is and who you are. What do you bring to the table? Yep. And you don't have to be Chris Brown. You don't have to be Mac Brock. You don't have to be Phil Wickham. You don't have to be Chris Tomlin. You don't right. have to be Dante Bo. You don't have to be, you know, right. you don't have to be Shane and Shane. You need to be you. Right. God created you and put you in this church for you to do what he created you to do. And all this other information you're getting from all these other churches, that's great. But you have to figure out what your filter is. Yep. and what your language is. And um, and again, I think you just, you, it's going to take time to find that identity. And the best way to do that, honestly, you know, I'm not making a pitch here for coaching. Maybe I am, but you've got to have people that have done this a lot to be yep. able to kind of walk you through it and, and, and walk with you on your journey. Yeah. I, well, and if you're not making the pitch, let me go ahead and forcefully make the pitch. Okay, good. If you're a worship leader and you want to get better, We'll have in the show notes how to get connect with Andy. The, his resources are going to be so helpful. They're going to help you level up. They're going to take you to the next opportunity and level of influence inside of your organization. So go and apply and invest in yourself. If your church won't do it, invest in yourself. It will make you right. better. So um, last question for today. The, we, you've got, you know, we, we always focus on the, the, the young leader and the, 
the emerging leader. For those of us that are in the age bracket range of you and I, Andy, what do you feel like the biggest opportunity for transition is for the guy who's maybe in his 40s, who, you know, he can see the finish line of maybe being a worship leader, but not the finish line of, of ministry. What do you feel like is, is, how are you helping leaders that are in that spot take the next step? Well, number one, I, I want to see worship leaders and worship pastors finish strong. Yeah. I want to, I want to see them finish their journey well. And, you know, there is a case to be made in the old Testament that, that, um, uh, Levites that were serving in the temple could only do so until the age of 50. And then they had to make way for, for younger people. And a lot of that was because there was it, basically the, the temple was a slaughterhouse. Yeah. It was heavy lifting. There was a lot of manual labor going on there. Uh, but, you know, I think, I think through the ages, we've seen that, man, God's calling is permanent. You know, if you're called at 20, you're still called at 50 and 60 yeah. years old. 100%. So first of all, I, I need you to lay down that idea that you have a shelf life, lay it down. Um, uh, I talked to my friend, Phil Stacy who oh, yeah. uh, just took a, just took a, a, a worship pastor job at a new church in Wichita. And I was on the phone with him the other day and he said, there's a, they still have a worship pastor on staff. That's 80 years old. That's awesome. And he said, he's incredible. He, he just, he leads worship with passion. And when he starts talking about worship and being in the presence of God, the tears flow and he's emotional. And I'm just, I get chills just thinking about this guy. I'm like, that's my hero. I'm like, yeah. I'm driving up to Wichita. I'm going to meet this guy. Yeah. We need I, to have him on your show and my podcast. Absolutely. How do you I mean, do it for 80 years? Like, exactly. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and hey, you know, you're still getting paid. Right. And you're still getting an opportunity at a church to do that. And, and you have a senior pastor that's like, dude, this is your spot until you die. Yeah. I mean, how great would that be? So first of all, lay down that, that, that idea that you have a shelf life. Yeah. All right. Stay strong. Figure out ways to stay healthy, mm-hmm. to keep your body in shape, to to keep your relationships healthy, and to and to be be okay to be who you are. Um, don't try to be somebody younger. Be who you are, because you have a lot to give. And then here's the second thing: make room for younger leaders. Be a mentor and a coach to younger worship leaders that are coming up because they need you. And what happens? This, so there's a there's a gaping hole, Stephen, right now, I know you see it in, in the church world, that these 40 and 50-year-old worship pastors are giving up and they're walking away. Yep. And now you've got these young worship pastors coming up. They've got no one to train and mentor them. Right. Yeah. It, there's no it, there's no example in front of them. There's no, no. there's no leader leading them. That's right. And, and what an opportunity you have for the kingdom of God, um, not to mention just your local church. Yeah. to to pour your knowledge into the people that are coming up underneath you. And here's the thing. You allow people to stand on your shoulders, Yeah. right? You give an opportunity for someone not to start at the ground level, but yeah. to start with your information and to be able to build them up so that they do better things than you've ever done. Yeah. And that scares us too, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. That someone's going to come behind me and they're going to forget me. Right. They're, 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 and they're, I'm telling you, that is a lie from the enemy. People will will not forget you. 
Right. And God, and here's the thing, God hasn't forgotten you. Right. And I definitely want to stand before the throne, Stephen, with all of the people that I've helped train up for the kingdom. I want to, I want to, I want to stand before Jesus go and say, here, here's what I've done. I haven't just made music for you. I haven't just been an artist in your kingdom, but I brought all of these people with me that I've helped train and pour into so that they continue to do worship in the way that you wanted them to. Yeah. So yeah, you got to, you got to, you got to get yourself, you got to lay down that idea that you have a shelf life. Then you've got to pour yourself into the next generation. Yeah. And I will tell you this, um, in my last few years at Church on the Move, Stephen, my my executive team told me, "Hey, we'll keep you around as long as you're as you're developing young people." Wow! Like we don't even care if you come into the office. <laughs> wow! We we don't care how many hours you spend here spend here, but if we if we see the fruit of you pouring into the next generation, yep. you're always welcome here and we yep. will make a space for you. Love that. So that's an encouragement that the church needs you. you. When the older you get, the more valuable you should see yourself in the kingdom of God. Yeah, that's so good. Man, that is so good. Um, Andy, if if someone's listening today and they want to connect with you, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Uh, I'm easy to get a hold of. You can, uh, you can go to my website, andychrisman.net. And I'll have all my information there uh, of, of everything that I'm doing uh, to help to help churches just get better at worship. Yeah. And uh, I'm also um, on Instagram as at Andy Christman, and that's how a lot of people get a hold of me. And uh, so, yeah, awesome. Uh, just like everybody else, just like we're all there. That's sure. right. <laughs> well, thank you for your time today. Thanks for investing in in worship teams and worship leaders all over the country. Thanks for what you do and the ministry that you have. And just for giving us a little bit of your wisdom today. Yeah, thank you, Stephen. It's been an honor.